Craft Beer Radio, episode 168 on October 25th, 2010. This show was recorded a while ago, so the catchphrase is a little dated. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. As soon as the music stops, we blow the hospital and ride the kicks all the way up the layers. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. We just talked about Inception in the pre-show, so we were on the uh, the dream extraction kick, I guess. Yes. Kick. Get it? Ha ha. No pun intended. Okay, so we're just having a fun show tonight. Um, one of the last shows before Baby Bear is born. And uh, for order, I'm going to drink the ones that, the lagers that should be a little bit colder. Let's pull those out first. All right. And so this first one is uh, the fall seasonal from Carl Strauss, named Oktoberfest. wonder why they would call it that. Possibly because it's Oktoberfest style. And it was delivered in July. <laughs> Got to get it on the shelves. Got to get it out to the, um, the reviewers even sooner. So The Oktoberfest, or Martin style, is, uh, you know, it's, it's a fall style traditionally brewed for the Oktoberfest of beer. And... The alcohol volume on this one is 5%. 15 SRMs is their color. 20 IBUs, 13 degree Play-Doh. It has pearl hops imported directly from the Hiller Tower region of Germany. And Vienna and Munich malts. Awesome. Pours a beautiful copper color. Crystal clear. White foamy head. Very dense. It's beautiful. It really is quite pretty, isn't it? I love a good Martin. Really Malty, bready, toast, slight toast in the aroma. That smells good. It's it's hard. I mean, the only people who I think don't like Martins are the people who are, A, either just total hopheads or people who just don't like much beer in general and say, so like, I don't like any dark beer or something like that. I didn't yeah. like Oktoberfest at first. I thought they all tasted really twangy. I remember remember having Penn Oktoberfest. I remember having Sam Adams Oktoberfest. I really thought they were gross and metallic tasting. I didn't like them for the longest time until I learned to like lagers. So I won't be as general as Greg. I won't say you're a bad person if you don't like Oktoberfest. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying that (laughs) I I find that Oktoberfest are are actually one of the more um, easier to get into styles. However, I should say that a similar style was my lager gateway. It was a Vienna lager from Great Lakes. The Elliott Ness was the first lager that I learned to like. I drank it, and it didn't taste metally and tinny and twangy. And uh, Vienna lager is a very similar style to to mm-hmm. a Mertzen style, to an Oktoberfest. It's a little bit more hoppy. Actually, I would say Oktoberfest is more hoppy. You think so? Oh, yeah. So I think Oktoberfest is more, you know, kind of... Definitely more on the malt side, whereas Vienna gives you a little bit more of, of the hop side of, of the equation. It needs malt to balance out the hop, so it, right. it is definitely a malty beer. But it gives you a, a sort of more of a jab in the hoppy side. See, I would say Oktoberfest are more malty, and I might back it up with because, malty. Yes, or I'm sorry, you're making me speak. You're putting you're in, putting inceptions into my brain. Um, are more hoppy. Uh, it's a harvest beer, you know. They, you know, it's a big beer, lots of flavor. Hops are harvested, the barley's harvested, and uh, you know. So I, I tend to find that Oktoberfest are more hoppy. Good spicy hop flavor on here. It's not a huge, like Imperial Pills type mm-hmm. hop flavor, but plays with the malt. It accents the malt and just gives you a good spice at the finish. It helps the beer finish dry. A little bit of sulfur from the malts. I think it works. 
So I'm not saying it's bad. Um, I think there's just there is a little bit of a um, just a vaguely sulfury kind of taste. It's sort of vaguely like you know it's it's it's, it's a grassiness. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get sulfur in all of these beers. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, there's not too much Pilsner malt, right? There's a lot of yeah, Vienna, a lot of Vienna Munich in here, right? And typically, I, I, you know, you don't find as much DMS coming out of malts that are roasted like that. I think that it kind of helps mitigate that, um, or at least it's not as apparent in the beers. I think you know. I'm wondering if what you you thought you were tasting is sulfury is some of that spicy continental hop that I'm tasting. I guess it's possible. I am liking this beer. It's it's really nice. It's very very drinkable. Uh, very smooth and easy. Every it, every sip is this big multi flavor, and as soon as you swallow it, it finishes so dry. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left on your palate. It's refreshing. It's drinkable, and you know it's just one. It's, I would say there's a little left on your palate. There, there's a little bit of of a multi um, sort of a a toffeeish kind of background left behind. And in the front, uh, a little bit of of a of a buzz of okay. kind of. Um, but you don't find it building from sip to sip, do no, you? No, kind of, kind of wispy, sort of mm-hmm. almost like 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 the beatings of, of a dragonfly or something <laughs> on your tongue. <laughs> That's poetic, Greg. Uh, I was just getting to the point, long windedly in the least, but I was getting to the point where you know this is a beer that it seems to be designed to be very drinkable, and you know, go to the Karl Strauss uh, Oktoberfest and and have um, several. You know, and uh, it won't crush your palate. Very drinkable. I like it a lot. So I know I've seen lots of pictures of Oktoberfest, like the actual mm-hmm. one, and it just seems like so many people crowded into such a big space, drinking lots of beer, sure, but huge amounts of beer. I imagine the bathrooms have got to be insane. The um. My dad's been to Oktoberfest. I've heard the story from more than he was. He was in the uh, army, stationed in Germany, so he went to Oktoberfest one year, maybe two years. I'm not sure, but he told me the story, and I've heard from multiple other people. The uh, the old timers, the locals, you can only get a beer if you're seated or standing at a table. They won't serve you if you're not at a table. And if you leave the table to go to the bathroom, you will likely lose your spot. So they will just piss right at the table. They won't go to the bathroom like the, the old timers. That's um <laughs> What a country. <laughs> I I would like to go to Oktoberfest, but I think if I'm spending a week of vacation time in Germany, I might want to do it when it's a little more calm. Yeah, it's like, you know, I've been to Mardi Gras, but you know what? New Orleans is more fun when it's not Mardi Gras mm-hmm. than when it is Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is just a, a friggin' madhouse. Whereas New Orleans has so much culture and so much mm-hmm. to it that it's it's you can take in a lot more of that and get a really more enjoyable... Yeah, I'd rather have like a one-on-one, you know, where I could talk to brewers or beer people or whatnot instead of just going to the Hofbrau tent and having six yeah. liters of, of beer and being done with it. I think... Um, However, you know, I I say that... But, you know, I'm sure someday before I die, I'll go to Oktoberfest. Unless you get run over by a bus tomorrow or something, no. right? As long as I live, you know, a long, healthy life, yeah, I'll be at Oktoberfest. <laughs> I, th- I think it comes down to, though, I mean, Jeff and I both don't like huge crowds, and 
Jeff is more comfortable than I am in them, but uh, like I think Sabre's better than Great American Beer Fest mm-hmm. for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. There's always time. I'd rather have a relaxed beer than a, uh, a crowded oh, yeah. beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Let's move on to the... Oh, you still got some. So okay, good. I won't rush you. What's next? Um, we got one of the lager today, and it's also from Carl Strauss. Let's get that one while it's still kind of cold. And this is the Whistler Imperial Pills from Carl Strauss. It's one of their coastal reserves. Comes in a bomber. Seven and a half alcohol by volume. Zatops. Interesting. Uh, authentic Moravian malts. I don't even know what that is. Moravia, I believe, is a um, region in Germany or somewhere in Europe. So that would, if it's authentic, that would probably mean it's more, well, it could be a German, could be a... Well, it's imperial, too, so... Yeah, true. <laughs> it's not going to be that authentic. Yeah. But yeah, true. Malt, but the How can you do authentic when it's an imperial? Well, pool? the malt's authentic. The style of beer, not so much. Alcohol by volume, 12%. This is not exactly uh, sessionable. The label says 7.5. Really? Whistler Imperial Pills? Well, golly, we have a discrepancy here. Discrepancy? Discrepancy. Uh, I'm just discrepancy. trying to spill beer on my laptop, so... Yeah, it says that's really interesting. It says seven point five percent on the bottle. On the website, it says twelve percent. Almost, you know, coming relatively close to doubling it. Eight SRM, sixty-five IBUs. Let's taste it. I think we'll probably be able to tell whether it's seven or twelve. Probably from the aroma or the flavor. Big hop aroma. Huge. Oh, this says pours uh, pretty clear. Not as clear as the Oktoberfest, but pretty clear. It's a more of a golden, golden to orange color. Yeah, orangey. Big, big, creamy, like shaving cream type head on it. I haven't seen shaving cream as appetizing as that in a long time. No, no, you're right. But it's reminiscent of shaving cream. Whipped cream, maybe. Lots of big hop rum on there. And um, interesting, it, it's hops in the Imperial Pilsner. It almost smells a little flowery or citrusy, you know, whereas that's typically a spicy one. But, you know, it's yeah. in such overdose in here that, you know, I think it might be so condensed that it's starting to turn, go from spicy to, to flowery or something. It's probably more in the eight range. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it can be hard to tell. Um, interesting. The, you know, when you get an Imperial Pills... Like Jeff said, you generally expect a big flowery push of 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 hops, and you don't necessarily get that here. There's a lot of hops in here, 65 IBUs. It's not hopless, but it has a a good amount of malt to really to really counter that hop. Very bready, very bready, yeasty kind of bread of. French bread or something along those lines. So it's got it's got a lot of these um, in, this interplay between this, this bready French bready type flavor and uh, the Zot's kind of spiciness, which mm-hmm. is pushing, but is not super floral. It's not like you know, it's not a Cascade or or a, mm-hmm. or a Centennial or something like that. I'd have to say this is a seven and a half percent beer. The more I drink it, I mean, it doesn't taste like a monster. It, it has a really interesting balance to it where 
the the malt is, is crisp and and bready, and then you get that again. Like I said earlier, when you take these continental hops and use them normally, they tend to be spicy, but when you overdose them in imperial pills, and I remember this from the Sam Adams imperial pills and. Particularly that one, but I can't. I'm trying to think of other examples. I don't remember the Morimoto very well, so I don't. I can't really place it. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Morimoto, but it, it gets this juicy, fruity um, flavor, and that's I'm getting the same thing in here. Kind of like a really green and sour tomato in terms of the some of the flavors that are coming mm-hmm. through from the zots. I'm thinking, you know when you get an, uh, an orange from the grocery store and it's off-season and it's really pithy and doesn't really have any good orange juice-type flavor to it, mm-hmm. but it still has some acidity to it? You know, I'm thinking it's along that lines where it's just like just bare, barely orange-type orange. But that still has a bit of, of you know citric, citrus to it and some of that mm-hmm. stuff, and this really doesn't have any of that. Oh, really? See, I'm, I'm, that's why I used it as an example because I have it in, I'm getting these small levels of citrus out of it. Hmm. Where it's not a, a fresh, juicy, delicious orange. I'm not sure blood orange is an appropriate example. That's why I said no, to me, it's almost like I said, you know, really green tomatoes or even really young and almost flavorless blueberries. You know, you ever have those where you don't really get a lot of flavor mm-hmm. out of them, but you get like a little bit of something? Right. And or like, um, maybe like along the lines of like, Underripe strawberries, not like white strawberries, mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I like it. So I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting the more I taste it, actually, and there's a little bit of that berryness coming out. Um, even though strawberries aren't actually berries, tomatoes and are, and I think blueberries are. Yeah, we have this discussion every once in a while. <laughs> I just saw the um, the Good Eats on strawberries. And I'll describe that, but I don't remember exactly what he said. I know it's the uh, it's an engorged stem. Yes, Stra- the, the fruits are the seeds on the outside of the strawberry, and the strawberry itself, the thing that we consider the strawberry, is it's actually a delicious a, stem. Is actually an engorged stem. So does that make it a vegetable? Oh. Well, you're eating the the fruits with it, but that's not the, the. You could take the fruits off, and it would still be just as good. In a sense, it, it's a vegetable. Then, like rhubarb or something, right? You can make it sweet. Mm-hmm. But if you try to call strawberry a vegetable, someone's going <laughs> to jump on you. What? That's the Whistler Imperial Pilsner from uh, well, Carl Strauss. That was I tasty. think that though it's not quite a stem, it's more like the, the part of the flower. So Yeah. You're right. You're yeah. right. Um, full disclosure, both of those beers are sent to us by the brewer. Yeah, Carl Strauss sends it. Thank you, Carl Strauss, for sending us a lot of your beers. Carl Strauss got back to me on Twitter. How about that? It is 7.5% ABV. So you should tell them to update their website. <laughs> they said they're uh, updating it right now. <laughs> Our next beer is Boulevard, another beer that was sent to us by the brewer, Boulevard Brewing Company's Amber Ale. This is their newest offering, right? Yeah, yeah, this is their um, their their new, um, I think it's year-round, but yeah, they just brought this out. They sent us a bottle as well. And uh, looking forward to trying it here. So at first it was apparently an experimental beer. And then they decided to put it out. 
Yeah, I was reading your review, or um, I was reading the KC Beer Blog about this beer. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at, too. Okay. And yeah, I guess if you were touring the brewery before they put this out, they did a, several um, test runs of it, and that was a beer they were sampling, people touring the brewery. I had a um, Amber on Saturday. So Saturday, um, we took Allison geocaching for the first time. I'm sure she didn't really get it, but... Well, no, no, it's a treasure hunt. Well, yeah, but... She loved it. Oh, okay. A treasure chest. Actually, we went Sunday for around here, and uh-huh. then I took her after work today. That's where I was when you called me. We were out at Grand Park, and we were finding treasure chests. She loves it. Why now, did we call you on Sunday? No, no, you called me today. Today? Oh, not oh. today, too. I'm sorry if I didn't tell the story right. But, um, so we went geocaching. We were up in Zilly, and... We were taking. She went. She wanted to go play at the playground. So we were taking to the playground. She fell asleep. I'm like, you know, let's go up to North Country for lunch. Okay, we're driving. Like, get the slipper out. Like, you know what? Let's go up to Sprague Farm in Venango instead. You know, she's still napping. So we went up to Sprague Farm. Was you know newer brewery. And um, the whole point of the story is um, they have an amber there, and it's not a throwaway. You know, amber to me, Greg and I, and probably a lot of you listeners. It got abused in the yeah. late 90s, early 2000s, as everyone's catch-all and, and boring beer. And I had their amber, and it was full-flavored. It was delicious. And um, so needless to say, this beer has high expectations, because I just had an awesome amber on Saturday. Well, if you smell it, unlike the last one, which was you know definitely had more of a French bready, this is more mm-hmm. white bread, mm-hmm. right? I'm getting, um, having a hard time picking up some. I'm getting a little bit of white bread, like you're saying, but when I breathe in, my nose is just all zingy from the CO2. You know, I'm getting some hard, having a hard time getting a real aroma because I'm just getting burned from the carbonic acid. So instead of being, uh, but it, it, instead of being exceptionally yeasty, it's much more kind of flowery. It's mm-hmm. of aroma. It has a good, solid malt, malt backbone to it. It's not very hoppy. No, no, it's got a zing of hops in there, I think. A little zing, but not hop, not hop flavor. Uh, how do I want to describe it? It's got a zing. It's got, it's got a, a zing. <laughs> it's got a bit of a zing. I was um, talking to the brewer up at, um, at Sprague Farm and uh, just finish up the, their Amber story. It was, it was more of an American pale ale, I think. It had a mm. big hop punch to it, and Amber's typically don't have big hop punches, so, but oh, it was so good. All their beers were good. I was surprised how rich and flavorful their lineup was for being up in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. On a farm. In a barn. With um, rednecks and motorcycles, you know, there. People can still take pride in their beer no matter where they live. And they have a market there. It was beautiful. That's great. Big fan. Good time. Food could be a little bit better. They... um so they were like East End, right? Where they were, you know, in Pennsylvania, if you want to serve beer on premise, you have to serve food if you're a brew pub, brewery pub type thing. So like East End Brewing doesn't have food, so you can get samples of as much beer as you want in little sample glasses and buy growlers for takeout. Sprague Farm was doing the same thing until recently where they, they built out the barn to be a beer hall. And there's this little cubby where they prepare food. So they have some sausages on a little hot dog turner and they got... Um, pretzels but yeah it's not that great but it satisfies the law so you mm-hmm. can sit there and drink the um, sausages were okay but they weren't 
Heather was disappointed because their website's talking about how great their kitchen is and a little bit of uh, exaggeration. A little bit hyperbole. Yeah. Well, you know, goes with the territory. But at least their beers were good. So that beers, was the important part. Beers were really well, good. Well, not, not as far as Heather was concerned, but as far as you were concerned. Right. Especially being preggers. Yeah, she couldn't partake. So let's get back to the uh, Amber from Boulevard here. It's got a nice kind of bitter bite mm-hmm. to uh, to hit that um, to hit the maltiness there. Mm-hmm. It does. I mean, I, I typically find that ambers tend to be a little over malty. Oh, really? Yeah. This one, this one definitely the bitterness cuts the malt right. Makes it taste a, a lot uh, cleaner. Dare I say thinner because the malt doesn't hang around. Right. I mean, it's like in my mother, for example, she can drink all types of beer, but she really doesn't look like anything hoppy. So mm-hmm. she goes for malty things. You know, I kind of recommend to her box and, you know, right, right. things like you or, or something that's totally off the wagon for like a Saison, something totally different, doesn't have that kind of experience of malty versus hoppy. But the Ambers, she likes Ambers and Brown Ales because they tend to be more malty and can kind of give more. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely Brown Ales, but she likes Ambers because they give more of a malty push. This one is not a particular, or it's, it's a very, it's a pretty hoppy amber. So that, so while it does have the malt there, mm-hmm. the malt is not especially sugary and, 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 and deep. And the hops gen- really cut it nicely. And there's a kind of sourness to the hops. I mean, it's not sour like a sour beer. It's just they have a bit of a tanginess. Yeah, we don't have any info on the um, the hops they used on this. I'm trying to place it because it's not really spicy. It's not really citrusy. I'm trying to figure out what kind of hops they might have used on this beer. I'm going to guess it's something Centennial. Just kind of wacky out of the blue guess. A robust maltiness predominates with nutty sweetness balanced and a crisp hoppiness to create a round, smooth mouthfeel. The finish is clean and semi-dry. Uh, it's it's a marketing speak way of saying it, but it's not lying. I'm not sure the nuttiness is coming through so much though. Hmm, interesting. They say in here it's secondary. It, it's fermented in the bottle, but there is no yeast at the bottom. They say we add a small amount of yeast to the ale to support packaging to produce a secondary fermentation bottle. I mean, this yeast would settles naturally. Do you think you probably poured it? I mean, the beer is kind of cloudy. It's it. You got it all. Well, we've had beers before that don't have very much yeast, or it's very lightly settled, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look at this beer. It doesn't look like it's... No, it does It looks yeah. like yeast got roused. It's kind of cloudy. Or it's just not very well filtered, which may be what they wanted. Right. Yeah, I think it works. I think it really does work, and it's nice and crisp. It's uh, probably not the, the greatest amber you'll ever taste. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm not tasting anything wrong with it, but it, it's not really, it's not exciting me. It's not, I mean, like that Oktoberfest, right? That was not the same beer, but same, 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 same continent, right? And just very drinkable. Where this one's like, yeah, it's not bad. It's not objectionable, but you know what? I order a second one. Mm-hmm. Probably not. We generally don't. I generally don't order second ones of anything. Oh, right, right. <laughs> if I'm a Boulevard Brewing, though, there's a lot. There's a lot of other beers I would like to have. Yeah. I mean, even some of their mainstreams, like their wheat beer. You know, I definitely take that over this again. And the thing about it is, because the hops are really present in this, would it be that appealing? 
on a mass level. Because someone's looking for a malty beer, this is probably not going to do it for them. If someone's looking for a hoppy beer, they're probably going to look for something more IPA-ish. Where's- I can see this appealing for people that... I don't know the the Kansas City market or anything like that, but you know I could see oh, a, barbecue. I imagine I could go. see a Yingling drinker getting into this. That's a that's an interesting point. I yeah. think it's a step up from Yingling for sure. It's not just you know it it has a lot of the similar characteristics, right? It's an ale instead of a lager, but it's similar and better in my opinion. So oh, I could, much better. I, than I could Yingling. see a Yingling drinker getting into this. I think you got to be at the point there because I, I can see a taste. In there, there, there's a flavor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that white breadish type flavor, mm-hmm. I think. Right. That, yeah. That so, yeah, you know, white bread with a fair amount of crust mixed in. You right. know, make sure you get that crust flavor, and mm-hmm. it helps you center on what we're tasting. Yeah. So maybe it's a it's a gateway beer for Yingling drinkers. Maybe. <laughs> I had a Yingling not too long ago. Definitely in. cleaner and, and not as DMSy as a Yingling. Yeah, I was. I forget what situation I was in right now, but uh, it's out of place and drank it. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I remembered. But not as good as this. No. So what's next? We're gonna do the uh, the Pine Belt Pale. Or no, I'm sorry. This is same brewery, Southern Star, but this is the Buried Hatchet Stout. Buried Hatchet Stout. This was sent in by a listener, Bill from Houston, and uh, Southern Star is in Conroe, Texas. And this beer comes in a 12 ounce alumin- aluminum can. Oh, I love canned beers. <laughs> Ooh, it's a little, little foamy. Strong American right. Stout is is their style on their page. Malted with raw special pale, crisp brown malt, rice roast malt, raw white wheat, and rolled oats. Sorry, S- I poured you with a ridiculous amount of head, but okay. uh, the way the beer was pouring, I had to do what I had to do. Sapphire hops. I don't think I've heard of that one. I've yeah. heard of them, but I. I I don't know them. Maybe I'll be able to meet them in this beer. The yeast is California Ale Yeast. They even describe the yeast on their page. I like that. I like a company that gives you all the information you want. 8.25% alcohol by volume. Can you smell it through all that head? I want you to take away there because... uh, IBU 50. Sure can. Doesn't that smell awesome? There's almost, almost a bit of a licorice smell there, right? I, I wouldn't lead with licorice. I mean, it might be a small nut, but I'm getting this awesome Maybe cocoa powder. I'm getting this awesome black, you know, baker's cocoa type type aroma. It's so big and so full, and it's not... You know what it smells like to It's me? not burnt. It's not tannic. It's just luscious. The, 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 the roasty chocolate aroma on this thing. I think I'm getting a little bit more, because of the head, I think I'm getting more carbonic acid yeah, than you yeah, are. Smell, smell. So I'm smelling something more along the lines of, of the burnt crust of meat after you really cook it over a, yeah, over a yeah. grill. Yeah, smell and mine now that the head has dissipated on mine. Yeah, that's a little bit better. But still, I like that smell a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes the char is oh yeah, yeah. Is, is some of the best stuff on, on the meat. So I somewhat disagree with Alton Brown. Who says he says soot is not a flavor, and I don't know. Well, soot's not. There's a difference between soot and char. Oh, well, melanoid creation, and whatnot. Like I was um, roasting marshmallows the other day, and there was young kids around, right? And they wouldn't touch the marshmallows that got a, got black on top, right? I'm like, but that's the good flavor right, right there. <laughs> 
And you know, like Allison was eating some corn on the cob yesterday, and we did it on the grill, so it was a little bit black on some of the kernels, and she stayed away from the black ones. I'm like, kids don't know what's good. When you're a kid, though, all you want is sweet stuff. Yeah, right. right. You go crazy for sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And if you try some of the, some of the candies you liked as a kid, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, you know, some Frankenberry probably doesn't taste as good as I remember. No, no, I guarantee you it doesn't. You, you get, that's the thing, kids', kids palates really don't appreciate bitter at all. Mm-hmm. And bitter comes into your palate later. Yeah. Oh, this beer smells great. I was, um, Listening to a podcast about tastes the other day about mm-hmm. how you know they they found you know it was more than just sweet sour bitter and uh, sweet sour bitter and salty they found obviously umami like we talked about but then they also found carbonic acid and they found fatty and there's probably a lot more mm-hmm. uh, and they found actual receptors for these flavors so it's not just you know theory i mean there's actual like the, the why, why didn't we publish a paper on carbonic acid i mean hell we knew that years ago <laughs> we didn't have the data we didn't have the details we could have wrote a paper we could have stole it on the internet right <laughs> but like for umami there's oh a glu- god glutamic acid that's the there's a glutamate detector and for carbonic acid there's a carbonic i, I gotta cut you off greg take a sip of this beer that is awesome Wow. Yes, yes. You said it. You said it. You might not want to document it, but this is a wow beer. This beer, this buried hatchet stout from uh, Southern yeah, Star I'll Brewery, give it that. is yeah. freaking amazing. It okay? So let's that's describe. Really, that's really interesting and different, and a really interesting take on on, on this head. I, I like it a lot. I can't think of. I don't want to jump ahead, but it's been a long, long time since I've had a stout that has been this good. Now let's talk about what I'm tasting to help back up back up that statement. But it is, uh, it's hard. It's just, so, it's not chocolatey like a crazy chocolate stout like uh, Southern Cheers chocolate. I think the rolled oats play oh, a real oats? huge part in okay. this. I think that they are probably really well roasted as well because they get a big roasted oat mm-hmm. flavor from this. In addition to the other stuff here, I mean, there's wheat in here too. Um, and and okay, so it's two, three different kinds of malt. So there are, you know, there's a lot of malt going into here. Um, this rice roast malt gives it tight, so they, I think probably a little bit of smokiness. It's got this really interesting, you know, like, like I said, the, the the tasty char of a steak. Are you getting with, like any hazelnut? I'm getting hazelnut flavors mixed with the nuttiness, mixed with the the oats, which I I can definitely tell the oats there, but it's not an oat in terms of giving you that. Doesn't give you a slimy flavor at mm-hmm. all. There's none of that. Right, right. It's just a, a really deep um, maltiness that comes through. A deep oaty, like a really deep oatmeal. Wow, I love this beer. Buried Hatchet Stout from Southern Star Brewery, Conroe, Texas. Is that what I said? Yeah, Conroe, Texas. In a can. In a can. We've had Southern Star beers before, and we've generally liked the beers that came from a can. Uh, you know, they have the Pine Belt Pale Ale, which I remember is a moderately hoppy pale ale, American pale ale. And we had one other beer from them that I'm drawing a blank on right now. But this is one of the most decadent stouts 
I've had in a very long time. <laughs> uh, it has definitely some very unique flavors that you don't find often. I I like I really like the the daring mm-hmm. of you know you said I mean oats and wheat in, in a stout you know not many people put wheat into a stout because you would think it'd get lost or something but I mean this thing has a great body very silky creamy body and it's full a body medium I think I would say it's not totally full no I'd okay. say it's medium okay I think it's fairly full but the body you can definitely say yeah there's the oats in there. I can see how the wheat adds on to that. I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't detect wheat in this beer at all. No, probably not. But I can now that you say it, I can see how the characteristic of the wheat could add to that creaminess. It's almost like it gives a separation, right? It gives a separation between the oaty flavor and the malty f- flavors. It, it, it kind of is a is a barrier between them. Mm-hmm. It allows both of them to, to, to take hold. I don't know if that's true or not, but I prefer to think of it that way. Oh, that's so good. Now, interesting, they call it a strong American, you know, strong American stout. Yeah, would you call it an imperial stout? No, no. probably not. It's no. not thick enough. It's, it doesn't no. have the kind of So I'm very advocate they have the style of American double stout? That, I, it fits in there. It's, it's, it fits I mean, in at, those. At 8.25%, it's, a, you know, it's an imperial in terms of alcohol. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't... I wouldn't throw around Imperial. But, yeah, certainly if you pull up their uh, the Beer Advocate listing, if we can find here, it is ranked... Oh, they call it a foreign stout export stout on Beer Advocate. Uh, see, I, I think of export stouts and foreign stouts being a little more raisiny, a little more alcoholy. And this one has such a big ro- chocolate of flavor. You know, I tend to classify it in my own, um, you know, um, full of myself... You know, ranking is an American double stout. If you wonder why I call myself fool myself, go back to the beginning of the pre-show. <laughs> Even a bit of nuttiness too. According to Beer Advocate, the uh, the American double slash imperial stout they have in the same category. So, in the world according to Jeff, I've split those into <laughs> two uh, flavor characteristics. Where when I think imperial stout, I think something with a significant warming flavor, thinner, thinner. Feel it's not really roasty; it's more raisiny and black. And then American Double Stout is is this personified right here, where this is chocolatey and roasty and and luscious, but but not alcohol is not apparent apparent at all. You know? No, I think in terms of the way I view things, we talked about this before, but I view it as double and imperial are essentially the same. And if you want to go towards that area, you use strong. Okay, um, so. Maybe American stout versus imperial stout. You know, foreign export. You know, probably. So, beer advocate had this under foreign export. Let me get back there and see what some of the top beers in the style is. I would be curious if um, you know Guinness uh, Guinness Yellow Label is, is way up there, and this has so much more flavor. So let's see, foreign export stout. They have Lion Stout. That's a that's a weird example because that one's very thin and whiny. Um, Cooper's best extra stout. That one's that one's in um, 
in line with this. Vaguely recall that one. Uh, the dual extra export stout. I actually had the de dual. That thing is it's crazy. That's a that's Belgian stout. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't put that in in the, unless this is a, turning into a catch-all category. I wouldn't put this there. I think strong stout works. I, I like mm-hmm. the strong because I mean there, there's know, sort the, of like the, strong ale, you know, but a strong ale is not an imperial ale. It's it's different. Mm-hmm. It's got different characteristics to it. I mean, we're just we're splitting hairs. I mean, it's it's delicious yeah, any way you cut yeah. it. So we're kind of getting into Peter Brookhart land, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We're probably wasting too much time on this, but I don't want to. I don't want to chug with the rest of my beer, so I'm just kind of you know filling airtime. <laughs> Jeff is taking the time to enjoy his inebriation. I'm taking my time to enjoy a wow beer. That's what I'm doing. Sure, we don't have two cans of this. We only have one. Yep. All right. Was so, this, was this Bill? Did Bill send this in? Yeah, Bill sent this in. Thank, Thank you, you, Bill. Bill. So now we get onto the rock stars of the show, and, and the show should show you that you don't have to be a rock star to be a good beer. But we're moving on to the rock stars. This next beer is from Mike in San Diego, Both our super, super mirror listener, Mike, and this is the Saison du Boeuf. Based on what Bill sent us, I think he qualifies as a super listener. Yeah, actually, Bill has sent us a couple shipments lately. He has been promoted to super listener. Congratulations, Phil. You win. Absolutely nothing. Um, Saison du Boeuf, uh, if you've been living under a rock, you might not know what this is, but this is one of those stone three-way... Or if you just don't follow the beer news. Well, this one was... <laughs> I meant to be a little bit insulting because we're talking about a stone beer. So well, it's only a third stone, so I wanted to temper that a little bit. Sure, okay. So Stone does these collaborations, but because they want to do it better than everyone else, they do it with two other breweries instead of one other brewery, right? And this one is um, with some pretty pretty big breweries. Um, they were all breweries that started, I think, in 1996. I think that <laughs> I think that was the year. So we got Stone Victory in Dogfish Head. They did a saison. They called it saison du buff, and they're actually brewing this beer three times. They're brewing it once in San Diego, once in Downingtown, and they've brewed it there already, and once in Milton. And I believe this is the one brewed in San Diego since it has the stone label, because I believe the Victory one's going to be a Victory produced beer, and the Dogfish is going to be a Dogfish produced beer. Why buff? Apparently. When the three brewers, they formed a friendship and they called themselves, in 2003, they called themselves Brewers United for Freedom of Flavor, or Buff. I'm rolling my eyes at it, but whatever. <laughs> it's very typical stone nonsense. You look, they have the press release and they also have all these annotations to the press release on their website. Well, they uh, they're being transparent, right? They uh, they put up, you know, there's a press release, and then you know, before the final draft, you know, so Greg Cook marked it up, and instead of putting up the remarked or the re-edited draft, they put up the marked up semi-final draft. No, no, I think it's kind of uh, okay. I have more faith in humanity than Greg does. Beer pours with a big, big head. Ooh, wow. It's golden, pretty, pretty hoppy, slightly cloudy, golden beer, much like you expect from a saison. More head than you'd expect from a saison, but that's okay. Oh man! Wow, there's um, very spicy, very. <laughs> Once I give that a little bit of a spin, what is that? It's kind of cardamom, right? 
I think cardamom, some lavender, uh, dandelion. I, I don't know. Dandelion's a good one. Herbs in our brew? Impossible. Where I trained in Germany, but blah, 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 blah. Inspired ales, we sign, blah, 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 gusto, blah, blah, blah. Collaborative ale. Come on, get to the stuff, man. Unique flavor, blah, blah, blah. Decision made or task, all the more challenging. Sage. Herbs. Cascaded out of conversation. Rosemary. Wheat. Ah, here we go. Got it. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. I was getting there. I was. I had to parse out all the the. Markings. You were doing it too slowly. Actually, Bill Bill wrote the one on the back of this label. Bill from uh, Victory. Bill Kovaleski. He um, signed it and then he circled victorybeer.com instead of dogfish or stonebrew.com. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme in the 6% alcohol by volume saison. That's an interesting collection of uh, herbs there. Bottle says 6.8. Man, we got the contradicting things tonight. Wow. This, the, the website says 6.0. Liar! But then again, this is the dogfish head formulation. This is dogfish head. Oh. Website, so. Yeah, no, this is the stone one, so. I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, it's stone. But it's the same recipe, same ingredients, three different breweries. So, so now that I know sage, yeah, I'm smelling sage. Not rosemary so much, but it's probably a minor note in there. You can see where the parsley is there. And thyme. Yeah, I can see the thyme in there, too. Hmm. It's probably good old chicken, I'm guessing. Wow. It's it's spice, it, spicy bomb sweetness blows up in your mouth. Not an exceptional wow, more of like a... Hmm. Wow. Like, um, like, we need some food to cut this. We need... Yeah. <laughs> Man, this would go well turkey dinner. Turkey dinner, chicken and mm. mushrooms and a cream sauce. Oh, turkey and cranberry sauce. Oh. I'm thinking like a, a, not a Marsala, something like a Marsala, but a chicken and cream sauce with mushrooms or something. Chicken Kiev. Mm-hmm. By itself, though, it's killing pretty, me. Pretty overpowering. It's I mean, really overpowering It's got itself. a lot of herbs. <laughs> it's really herby. It's it's got in a very in, I mean put this beer down for four years you look at some of these herbs um, parsley <sighs> you, you may not think it but if you use it in, in, in cooking you know it can be pretty powerful stuff rosemary can be extremely powerful mm-hmm. um, sage and thyme a little bit less so but pretty big flavors uh, that's a lot of really big flavors to be using mm-hmm. in a beer and a lot of the other stuff in the beer gets lost. The um, the yeastiness of the of the beer, the maltiness, is really getting overpowered by these herbs. I agree. I mean, the we need some some chicken, some uh, something, to, uh, some cheese, something to 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 cut this beer. It's too big by itself. Let this thing age for a long time if you got some Saison du Buffs from Stone. Long time. Two, three, four years. It's almost more like a gruet, right? <laughs> it almost tastes like uh-huh. it's it's just, you know, it's got a whole bunch of different herbs in there and there's not really much in the way of malt. 
marinate. I mean, I don't want to sound blasphemous, but it's so spicy. You could almost marinate meat in this and get the spices into the meat. You know, parsley is really coming through now too. And and parsley kind of it, it almost feels like it coats your tongue in in in. Um, Tiny, tiny little prickly mm-hmm. notes, right? Um, I keep drinking it to see if I get more used to the flavor, so they're not as dominant and you know um, uh, abrasive. But but they're staying pretty abrasive. It's a. I don't fault them for trying. And these are three uh, brewers who can afford to have a mistake or two. Uh, but I don't want to say it's necessarily a mistake. I, I, I think it's really interesting. I don't think it's necessarily good. Not by itself. I, I The last step I took was better. But it still needs paired with dinner. Yeah, it needs something. Needs dinner. Um, this is... Do not drink this beer by itself or with other beers. Eat, Drink this beer with a meal. I'm starting to taste a little bit of the saison behind it, but man, the spice is so big, so big. It's just so so overwhelming, the the herbiness there, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like if you can you can try to focus yourself and 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 look past it, but then it comes like a tsunami of of herbs like hitting you as as, as soon as you're sort of in that tiny little island where you can taste a little bit of the saison. You're going to be swept away by the tsunami of herbs. I was uh, watching on Twitter last week the Allagash beer Twitter feed. Peter Bruchart flew out to Allagash in Maine, and they brewed a beer with elderberries and dandelions. Cool. It was pretty cool because, it, you know, uh, Rob Todd was taking photos, and Peter and the Allagash brewer, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now, um, you know, they're chopping the dandelions and pouring the elderberries in and whatnot, and... Two of can't get Ash beers here because I'd like to try that one. Yeah, the weird thing about it is it's not you don't want to pour it out though, right? I mean, you want to finish it. Yeah, it is weird, right? Because you don't want to pour it out because you know there's something to appreciate. But then you take the sip and you're like, oh, spicy! These <laughs> <laughs> so many herbs. My tongue feels like has been assaulted. Like I've been, it, my tongue feels like I've been chewing on parsley, like just parsley. S- sage is the main thing I'm tasting, even though you know rosemary is a much bigger flavor. I'm not getting killed with the rosemary; I'm getting hit with the sage. I wonder how this next beer will go with the aftertaste that's in our mouths, but no, we'll see. It uh, it washes away. So this is another collaboration from Stone, but this is with Ken Schmidt, who's a home brewer. Uh, Garrett Moreo of Maui Brewery Company and Mitch Steele from Stone, and this is the Kona Coffee Macadamia Coconut Porter. That's that's is crazy, <laughs> crazy. So yeah, um, we we've um, actually no, you haven't met Garrett Moreo. That was the first year with GABF. Um, Garrett Moreo is the uh, brewer at uh, Maui Maui Brewing Company. Great guy. He um, his slogan is fiercely local. So they source as much local as they do that. The uh, coconut porter, which actually the coconut that's in this beer is not based off of his coconut porter. They do the pineapple wheat beer with um, Maui gold pineapples. 
and um, they can some of the beers. Maui's a, a great brewery. And uh, Stone Inn. And I don't know anything about Ken Schmidt. You got any Ken Schmidt info? Apparently there? there's AHA, which I assume is the American Homebrewers Association. Indeed. A March Madness homebrew competition that he won. Okay. In March 24th, 2009. And he had the... Uh, and so that was his prize. He gets to, home, to, to brew at Stone. And... Um, Gets to brew not just any brew, but a collaboration brew. Wow, this beer is deep and rich in aroma. So the um, the buried hatch of stuff we had from Southern Star was like, to me, it was like very rich on baker's chocolate. This one's not on baker's chocolate. This, well, coffee, right? Coffee's in there. It has a very coffee smell. But you're getting the other things as well. You're getting... Um, not a coconut so much, but I, I think something from the macadamia nuts. You're getting some kind of nuttiness out of the aroma. Mm-hmm. And then I smell again, and all I smell is coffee. Coffee, coconut, and macadamia. I assume those are three ingredients that are in the beer. Indeed. Coffee rules the beer. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to dig past the coffee to find the other flavors, but coffee is ruling the first two sips. For coffee me. is definitely ruling the beer. It also has a very astringent kind of flavor to a big raisin big raisin big raisin dark ro- yeah uh i was thinking you know very dark roast but you know i was like is it oxidized but it's raisiny like greg had said I'm not tasting the the coconut like you get out of the uh the maui beer there's some nuttiness there which is probably related to the macadamias though neither are a true nut you know what i could pick out the coconut here yeah, yeah, sort of. Because um, I had a, I had a while where I was taking. Remember, I brought one the young coconuts. I was I was really into those for mm-hmm. a while, and um, it was a lot of really. Those are delicious. I love them. They're just um, a little expensive, but it's wonderful that the flavor you get out of those the, the young coconuts. It's also hard to open those things. <laughs> those are crazy. They're like chopping them like crazy. <laughs> Uh, but now they're meat cleaver and just yeah. <laughs> but there's just there, there's the great the liquid inside and then also the the stuff on the the pieces on the side. I think it's way better than mature coconut. Way better. Okay. But I can taste some of that in here. I can taste that. Boy, it, it's hard. I'm trying to come with a way to describe it. it it's it's a bit like yogurty or milky, mm-hmm. and. There is. Is it cutting some of the tannicness from the coffee or something? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm starting to like. I went on a kick where I was buying a bunch of almond milk and coconut milk. Right, haven't had it in a while again because it's expensive, much like your baby coconuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was sort of thinking back to what the coconut milk tasted like, and trying to put it in this beer, and I could see how it would cut the the acidity. And, and tannicness of of the coffee, just like coconut, you use um, uh, you use coconut when you make um, curries and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. a really spicy Thai curry. They, they use coconut milk, not coconut juice, but coconut milk, which is sort of a it's actually sort of the processed and, and blended version of the mm-hmm. solids. But it's um, really it, it helps cut the spiciness and, and it helps mm-hmm. give sort of a, a boundary with with also a nice addition of of a somewhat fatty flavor kind of a mixer between sort of avocado and and mm-hmm. milk i guess sure 
this is the last one of the night. It doesn't lend itself to as much rigorous talking as the other ones do, though. We're trying to kind of analyze it, I think, more. Mm-hmm. And it's complex. I mean, you're not going to, it's not a drinker, right? It's not drinkable. It's, it's a sipper, for sure. I mean, we're drinking them out of sniffers tonight, and it's, it's right where it deserves. A little bit of time, stop, think about it. So, what do you think about the um, all this world's strongest beer crap? Oh, we didn't even talk about that, did we? Um, I think it's main show topic, and even though we're an hour and five minutes in post editing, but or pre editing, you know, there's there's a good fifteen minutes will be cut from that. Fifteen? That's that's aggressive. But anyway, I think so. Uh, I I find it amusing, and I'm sure. It- I find it amusing, and I'm sure that's the only thing they're really going for. Even though at one point they sold it, they they sold the one in the dead penguin for like seven hundred dollars. Brewdog did the, when they did End of History, and um, then the, no squirrel, dead squirrels, dead squirrels. squirrels yeah. Out it was okay. Yeah, the End of History was like seven hundred and like over like eleven hundred dollars for the right. uh, the End of History, but it was so rare you couldn't get it even if you had the money per se. And then there was. Then, then, then another company comes back with Start the Future, which is even higher. It's at 60%. And, you know, at that point, to call it beer is very silly. Well, that other company... Because it's distilled, right? All this stuff is distilled. Well, sure, ice distilled. I'm curious, the other companies... I didn't... Start the Future, let's see. Yeah, Cool Ship um, Brewing... I saw a comment on Twitter. Apparently, they've done some pretty cheap stunts in the past where they've added spirits to their beers to get them oh. up. So they aren't just distilling or ice distilling. They're just putting vodka in their beer to get the alcohol up. That's not cool. I don't know about... That ice distilling isn't all that cool either. I don't know about Start of the Future, but... Yeah, I, I agree with you. The um, If I was a Boston Beer Company, I would do a marketing campaign where... Um, you know, well, I don't think Boston Beer is being you know is having their it's really getting a lot of their utopias being you know not being bought because of BrewDog. I don't think that's well, being no, the case. but I, I I think they need to um, you know definitely market the uh, hey we've had the world's strongest naturally fermented beer for um, the last eleven years. Very much, mm-hmm. you know. I, I said it on a tweet, and I got a couple comments about it. But you know, it's it's the whole Barry Bonds thing. All these ice distilled strongest beers, they need to have an asterisk by the record book saying, you know, performance enhanced. You know, I mean, it's not to me. You got to naturally ferment a beer to to beat the world's strongest yeah. beer. Yeah, and it's okay to do blends because I know that's what Sam Adams is the ut- utopia is. They definitely do blends. But as long as every one of them is naturally fermented up mm-hmm. to 26%, 27%, and not ice distilled, then I'm fine with the the title World's Strongest Beer, but I'm sure there's a, a physical property where you can't go beyond 98 point, 99 point something percent. You know, you can't distill any more water. Right. Out of the liquid, it turns into molasses at that point, or something alcoholic molasses, or something. Because all you have you left need, is you need a solvent there, right? And you need something to 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 work. All you have left last left is the the beer proteins and the alcohol, right? And 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 a small fraction of water. At some point, you can't get it up to ninety nine point nine 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 percent. I'm sure, but you know somewhere, but. Yeah, it's all about the how much 
crap you want to put into ice distilling it. It's just stupid. Yeah, it, it, it it's just you're you're making at that point you're making a spirit. You're not making it's 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 not a beer. And don't call it a beer. I mean, it, it, it's the same thing as what well, as, as you know, it, it's the same exact thing that Jack Daniels does. They they make a beer essentially, and then they distill it. They don't ice distill; they cook distill. But I mean, they still it's it's a beer they distill, and that's how they make whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. then they, then they, after it's distilled, they put it into whiskey barrels, and that's how they make whiskey. But right. you get the point. It's. It's just another way of distilling. You're just removing water, and you're not at naturally brewing something. And yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work as a beer to me. I'd be interested in trying it. I've heard good things about Sink the Bismarck. You know that that quadruple IPA, that really hoppy spirit that they made, and, and I would call it a hoppy imperial, a uh, India pale spirit. You know something right, like that, right. right? And I've heard good things about it, and I'd like to try it. But, you know, I've learned that I'm not going to try every beer in the world. And I am not going to go out of my way to try anything from Cool Ship, um, Brewdog, or uh, what's the other one? Um, Slosh, Slosh and Brow, or whatever right. whatever that other one is. If one lands in my lap, hey, I'll try it. But said <laughs> it's a wink wink nudge nudge if I ever heard no no I didn't even, I didn't even mean it to be a wink wink nudge nudge the um so uh Greg's a, a ranking here he's ranking this and ranking that let us know what you got my number one beer is the only wow beer of the night the buried hatchet stout really uh very, very impressive and interesting and everything that we want in a wild beer, which is not only just to taste great, but also to challenge us. You know, to, to, to try something new and, and excel at it. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Uh, would highly recommend everyone get their hands on Southern Star Brewing Company's Buried Hatches out if they get the chance. Absolutely. That's my number one beer, too. Let's, and, uh, I would, only thing I would add to what Greg says is if you get any Southern Star beers, give them a try in your area because uh, everything we've had so far has been pretty good. My number two, I think probably Jeff's number two as well, is the Oktoberfest. I think it's uh, Indeed. a really uh, very, very drinkable and really nice, great tasting Oktoberfest. It's, it's malty like I like, um, and you know, but it's got a lot of hops to back that up too. And it's just a really, really, really well done beer. Carl Strauss uh, wins again. I agree again. Um, it was, I mean, from the pour, it was crystal clear, copper colored, great head. It was a beautiful looking beer, and and the taste complemented it and followed up. And that was a really good Oktoberfest. One of the best in in recent memory. So there is, to me, a clear line of demarcation between those two, which were, I think, really excellent, and mm-hmm. the rest, which are, you know, good, most of them, uh, but didn't quite measure up. And at this point, it's, it's mainly personal preference. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Amber Ale next, I, I think, from Boulevard. I think that um, I, I liked the take on the Amber Ale. I liked the, the, the hoppiness that they hit it. It wasn't... Um, 
wasn't the best Ambrose I ever had, but I think it was it was really pretty good for an Ambrose, especially for for the kind of um, the thinking that goes behind Ambrose. When you think Ambrose, you don't think necessarily like that Jeff was saying. You don't think you think oh that's the throwaway beer, and it's really not. It, it's really interesting. So I think people you know should check that out. Uh, next, I'm going to put the coconut coffee. I mean, you know that's. It, it it's kind of in my wheelhouse. It's, it's really you know attempting to get there. <laughs> Doesn't quite make it. Um, like I said, I even, even thought the Ambrail was a little better than it. I, I think that it's a little a little too. The coconut doesn't come out as much as you'd want it to, and the coffee is a little overpowering. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know kind eh, of put that next. Uh, next to last, Whist- Whistler Imperial Pills. Um. I don't know exactly why I put it there. I just did. It just was there subconsciously. Um, it might be a little better than that. It might it, it might be better than, than that kind of coffee. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. So consider those two kind of fluctuating. But definitely last, it stays on the buff. That was just way too herby. Um, you need to have something to eat with this. I think it would go well... Like like gravy to a chicken or something like that. Oh yeah, I think it would go very well. I can't think of many beers that would go better with a dinner with a main course, but by itself, it's rough. <laughs> it's really rough. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, I agree, Greg, completely for the first two. I'm going to change up the rest a lot. I'm going to put the um, Imperial Pilsner from Carl Strauss Third. I just enjoyed the flavor a lot over the other ones. I, I liked it a lot. Um, not as hot as some Imperial Pills as I had. Sure. I liked how the um, the hops came through. I thought they were more citrusy. Greg didn't, but you know, personal preference. Um, the hops were there and the giving us an interesting perspective on continental hops used in excess. Um, after the Carl Strauss, I'm going to put the uh, the coffee uh, collaboration from from Stone Kona and um, Ken Schmidt. Coffee was overpowering. I've I've had better coffee beers. I've had um, better nutted beers. I've had better, you know, <laughs> coconut beers. But, if um, you didn't laugh, I wouldn't have laughed, but you did. It's all your fault. You started. Um, How did I start it? It's okay. And then, ah, uh, the last two is tough for me because... Um, I'm gonna be honest. The uh, the Boulevard Amber really didn't do it for me. Uh, the best thing I can say about it is it's a Yingling Gateway. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. The the over ridiculous spicing of of the Saison du Buff was was almost equally as unpalatable for me tonight. I'm going to break the rules and say we have a tie for last place. I, I don't know which... I, I can't honestly pick which one I, I cared for more. They were just... I, I didn't like either of them very much. Okay. Uh, I, I might sort of agree with you about the Whistler. I may have to put it third. I have to. But I'd do the Amber next and then the Kona. But, but then it feels like, you know... I, I don't want to poop. I on really th- enjoy the coconut porter, but I also like felt that the other ones are better. Yeah, I don't want to poop on either the amber or the um, the saison du buff. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's hard. I'm just going to leave the end of the list ambiguous. Okay, and right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that. All right, I deserve it. Yes, you get that. You get that one a year. 
Wow. Okay, it's been fun. It's um. It has been fun. It's eleven thirty. We got a post show. Maybe we'll see. Why um, wouldn't we? I gotta go to sleep, man. I guess I'm not going to the gym in the morning with my uh, five o'clock wake up call. So nope. All right. Bye bye. That's the that's the risk you take when you do craft beer radio, Jeff. That's the risk you take. Uh, that's a sacrifice. Thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio. The theme music is Money or Time from The Lights Out. Email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com, or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash jeffbear and twitter.com slash gmwise. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. Money or time, but you never get